Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I just, uh, one thing about the anthropomorphic animals, mm-hmm. I never knew hedgehogs read that much. <laughs> They're big book readers. Yeah. <laughs> They're big bookworms, <laughs> those hedgehogs. <laughs> Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 147. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about soft living. For decades, hustle culture has been the top of the podium in terms of lifestyle goals. But in striving to get there, we are often left exhausted, depleted, and run down, and a hardness begins to settle in our hearts. And the antidote to this may be found squarely within the soft life movement and the deep work it invites us to undergo for our own sakes and for those around us. But first, the best way that you can support The Modern Lady is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and by sharing us with your friends. We also welcome you to join us over at patreon.com forward slash the modern lady podcast, where for just $5 a month, you will get exclusive and extra content. We want to remind our listeners that we now have activated a free trial option on Patreon. So while you can just follow the page for free, if you actually sign up for a free trial, you will have access to all of our extra content for seven days. And then you can decide if you'd like to join us as a paid member. If you can't join us on Patreon at this time, a free way to support our show is by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a chance to tell us what you love about the show and it helps others discover it too. This week's shout out goes to Alba CB from Malta, who sent Lindsay a message on Instagram and said, quote, Love the company during my chores, and I always find myself learning a thing or two from you ladies. You choose truly interesting topics, and I think out of all the podcasts along the same theme, yours really stands out." End quote. Well, thank you so much, Alba, for your kind message and for getting in touch. We are so pleased to think that we can keep you company as you go about your day, and we love that you're enjoying the conversations. And if you would like to leave us a comment or message us about today's episode, the best way to get in touch with us is on Instagram at the modern lady podcast, but be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode for other ways to connect because we would love to hear from you. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our modern lady tip of the week. Ooh, I bet you've all been eagerly awaiting part two of this series on flower. The wait is over. Are you ready for this? Last week, we learned about hard and soft flower, protein, and what bleaching flower actually does. Today, we are going to look at all of the different types of flower. Now, if you'll recall from last week, a quick Google search turns up anything from six types of flower to 20 plus. I have decided to stick with the info I found on the website KitchenAid.com. The first type of flour we will look at is the one we probably all have in our pantries, all-purpose flour. This is a versatile flour and it is a staple in everyone's cupboards. It is a blend of hard and soft flours with a medium protein content. It is this perfect amount of protein that makes it a good choice for many different baking projects. All-purpose flour is best for cookies, cakes, pies, and pastries, and for breading meat. The next type of flour is self-raising flour. This wheat flour has a leavening agent added during milling. This leavening agent helps it rise, and it is baking soda and salt. It has a slightly lower protein content, but produces a nice rise for quick bread. However, it cannot be used for yeasted bread. And if you use it in the place of all-purpose, which isn't really advised, You can leave out the leavening agent in your recipe. Self-raising is good for biscuits, scones, pancakes, muffins, and again for something called quick bread. You can also make your own self-raising flour. Google it for the ingredient amounts. Also, it is important to remember that leavening agents lose their potency, so you really should replace this flour every six months and your baking soda. What about bread flour? It is milled from the hardest wheat, which makes it a strong flour with a high protein content. 
And it is this high protein content that produces a lot of gluten, which makes for a solidly structured bread. This is the flour you want to use if you are making a yeasted bread, as it will produce a good crumb, great texture and crust. You can use bread flour for sourdough, baguettes, bagels, and pretzels. Then there is cake flour. This is made from soft wheat, and it has been milled to a fine, silky texture, which lowers the protein content. KitchenAid.com explains that it's higher in starch, so it absorbs liquids, fat, and sugar better. KitchenAid.com explains that it's higher in starch, so it absorbs liquids, fat, and sugar better than all-purpose, and this results in a tender and moist crumb. Use cake flour for angel food cake, sponge cake, madeleines, waffles, pancakes, and brownies if you like a cake like a brownie. And just like self-raising, you can make cake flour for yourself. Just Google the ingredients. Pastry flour falls in between all-purpose and cake flour in terms of milled texture and protein content. The website says it produces both a tender crumb and flaky texture desired in most pastries. But that it should not be used for baking bread because it produces too little gluten and yeasted bread made with pastry flour will be too dense and soft. Use it for danishes, croissants, baklava, pies, and cinnamon rolls. The last type of flour that I'll talk about, but rest assured, I am just scratching the surface here. So if this interests you, there is plenty of information online, is double O flour. This flour is made from durum wheat, which is a type of wheat that is very suitable to making pasta. You will also come across the term semolina, and semolina is the harder, coarser ground outer layer of the durum wheat. Semolina is great for hard pasta that needs to retain its shape like rotini and macaroni. Durham wheat flour is the softer flour left over after the semolina is removed, and it is great for softer pasta like spaghetti and lasagna. So double O flour is made from durum wheat, and it has been milled to the finest grind. This gives it a higher protein content, which will help form the strong gluten bonds that are needed for good pasta. I also use double O flour for my pizza crust, and it is recommended for making crackers and pierogies too. So who would have thought that this podcast would turn into a flower podcast? <laughs> I don't know yeah. about you, Michelle, but I need to make room in my cupboards now for multiple types of flower. <laughs> well, I'm just listening to you and thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, Michelle, you have been slacking <laughs> on your flower game with your little bag of all-purpose flour that yes. I use for literally everything from <laughs> loaves of bread to cake to pasta to pizza dough. So yes. I, I don't know where we're going to put it all, but you could have a whole pantry <laughs> itself just dedicated to flour. That's amazing. <laughs> Soft living is one of the latest trends and aesthetics to hit the social media scene, and it has gripped the imaginations and sentiments of people all over the world. But a lot of what is said and shown about the movement doesn't quite capture the whole story, right, Lindsay? Oh, if that has ever been writer, show me a time, because this has yeah. blown us <laughs> away. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So soft life as a term made its way onto dictionary.com and it is defined there as a lifestyle of comfort and relaxation with minimal challenges or stress. Some people use the term in reference to a life that involves and is a product of wealth and luxury, while others interpret it as simply being a simplified life unburdened from stress and responsibilities. Um, Now that's again, how it's defined on dictionary.com. But mainly it's a term often used in Mm -hmm. reference to moments that achieve this ideal, even if one's entire life does not. Um, And it's used in like aspirational statements about the kind of life a person wants to live. But we are going to reveal that it goes so much deeper than Mm -hmm. what that dictionary.com definition says. Yeah, we are kind of on a roll just thinking about it of like... We think we're talking about one thing yes. <laughs> at the start. <laughs> and then halfway through the episode, we're like, but that's not what it actually is. And then yes. we feel like we have to remember last week, we're like, we're just going to fade ourselves out. Yes. We're yes. T- <laughs> talking about dopamine detox. That's right. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, soft living is another one of these things that's really making its round and it's easy to see why it's appealing, right? With a definition like that. Yeah. But yeah, um, I guess time to dig deeper because there is more to the story. Okay, so I guess people have been saying like soft life or soft living for a little while now, but it did gain mainstream attention in 2022. Mm -hmm. um, this is where it really started to pop up on social media, especially on TikTok. So we're going to journey back to late spring, early summer of 2022, all that time ago, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess is a lot of time in terms of social media trends, right? This, true. Is, this, this could be ancient by the time it's this 50 comes years out now. in yes. social media years. <laughs> years yes. <laughs> Um, so we're going to just see how those earliest articles, and there's a lot of them, if you Google it, explain soft living. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I started looking into the first mentions of it, I quickly saw many posts pointing to this aesthetic originating in the Black community. Mm. And an article on Mashable.com notes that it was first being used as a term by Nigerian influencers, and this is way before it made its way westward. Now, I looked deeper into that and I discovered a lot of different Black influencers talking about it. And I pulled out just some of the words from one of them. Um, this is Gloria Alamru. She's an Ethiopian Canadian writer and she wrote this on Twitter I want a soft life. I want ease. I want relaxation. I do not want to hustle. I do not want to grind. Grinding wears you down to brittle nothingness. I do not want to work my life away. I want enjoyment and rest, not as rewards, but as practice. My life will be a practice in joy. Now, she shared that on her Instagram account, which is by Gloria Alamru. And then she added to that tweet writing, I think we're all just tired. I know I am. I'm tired of being asked what my five-year plan is, what my goals are, what my ambitions are. Tired of scraping by. Tired of being told to pretend that everything is back to normal when nothing is normal about our world right now. What are my goals? To make my son laugh every day. To be his safe place. To be my own safe place. I want to take up hobbies and be bad at them. And not care because I'm having fun learning something new. And isn't that the point anyway? I want to love and to love and love and love. End quote. Mm. Okay, I loved all of that reflection and her poetry and describing what um, soft living is. And it reminds me of something that I saw online. There's an article called, um, Is Living a Soft Life the Secret to Success? Mm. <laughs> on a website called hermoney.com. And it quotes an influencer named Jasmine or Jazz Turner. And she was saying, soft life means pouring into myself and then giving to other people into my work from the overflow. Mm. Yeah. So when she was talking about how all she wants is like to her goal for the day is to like make her son laugh. Yeah. And to do all those things. I like that idea of this reason. Like there's a, like a deeper why. Um it's not just kind of like how we always talk about huga not being yeah. just about the uh, candles being lit or, you know, comfortable throw blankets. Like, why do those things matter? And that's similar to what Gloria is saying in her post about why she wants soft living and how um, Jasmine Turner is talking about why it matters. There's a deeper reason. And you can't fill from an empty cup would be like a similar cliche saying to this. Mm -hmm. But I like this perspective because instead of focusing on your keeping your cup from running dry, the soft living movement from these words seem to focus instead on filling it so that it just keeps spilling over for the people and the circumstances that do need you at your best. Yes. And I think that Again, it's so important that we acknowledge that this really starts in the Black community. Um, there was an article I mm -hmm. read on Mashable.com, and there's this um, there's this study done by Dr. Cheryl Woods Gisombe, um, and it was a study for the National Library of Medicine, and she's examining like this something called the Superwoman Schema, mm. and it says that it's the dual cultural idea that many Black women find themselves striving to be. The study found that to be a respected Black woman today, many feel the pressure to manifest strength 
thereby suppressing emotions and vulnerability, resisting dependency, and projecting unyielding determination to succeed despite the circumstances. And they do this all while continuing to help others in the community, often putting their emotional needs last. Now, this goes on further to say that um, I was listening to many different Black women speaking about this, and I was so interested in hearing it from their own voice. And they were saying that there is this tendency within the culture that when black women actually say, stop, slow down, I want to pour time into myself, I want Mm. to find peace, that they're accused of being lazy, um, that this is like a a criticism that's awful, often leveled at black women. Now we can't speak to that as white women, but this is where this, this idea where they wanted to create these day-to-day lives of peace, this desire to do so without taking that criticism anymore of laziness. And so they're speaking up and kind of paving the way for all of us and really putting forward this idea of creating a soft life. And we're going to define it further. We're going to get into how it's not about the externals and where dictionary.com kind of gets it wrong about luxuries and stuff. Mm. It's really these women just saying, no, I want to stop this hustle. I want to get out of the grind and I want a peaceful life day to day where it starts, like you're saying, like filling my own cup and my own heart being peaceful so that it overflows. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. And I, I think, um, like you, I, I had no idea the origins, but mm-hmm. I I really think that it's interesting and important to acknowledge that there is so much of a cultural um, background to this. And like you said, that it's just incredible that how this path that they're paving is really starting to branch out in a big way into a larger landscape um, that's starting so many great conversations revolving around yes. this yeah. this mentality that that we should consider. That's right. So this article I'm referencing is from Mashable, and it's written by a woman named Jenny May Nguyen. And she says at the end, these lifestyle movements can help create a cultural mentality that comes a little closer to collective health rather than collective productivity. Now, when you hear that language, it should come as no surprise that the soft living movement is often punctuated by anti-capitalist sentiment too. Mm. And it makes sense. People, especially women, are tired of being defined by their level of productivity. Mm. Um, There's a quote from Kimora Brown in that Mashable article. And she says, soft living is about denouncing hustle culture. It's not about luxury and culture. Capitalism is not soft living. It's anti-soft living. So this language of collective productivity versus collective health is evocative of a socialist approach in this. But in this case, I think it's an idea that we can all get behind this collective call to slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all part of having just a really balanced perspective on the world, right? And the ideals of what there is. And those concepts of like wanting the best for everybody. You're right. Like, I, why wouldn't we want that? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Right. In general. And I mean, depending on your cultures and historical context and um, geography, what have you, that might look different in different parts of the world. But yes, the concept of really wanting, um, the best for everyone you come in contact. And if there's a way that you can contribute to the well-being of everyone, then for sure. And we shouldn't be surprised either about when we learn that the soft life trend is often linked with another trend that's really big right now, which is called Mm. quiet quitting. Um, Oh, yes. I feel like coming out of this worldwide pandemic, and maybe this is again where it's a collective sense, right? Because Mm. the entire world has been affected over the last couple of years. Um, So there's been a total upheaval and reimagining of the day-to-day lives of people, of women everywhere. And I think this is especially true for working women because Mm. us stay-at-home moms, yeah, of course our lives were impacted by the lockdowns and by everything that went on. But it was the working world that was significantly impacted, right? These people Mm -hmm. were able to stay home for the first time maybe ever in their adult lives. And we know, we know that this impacted how corporate offices are being run, who's Mm -hmm. returning to work in an office, who's still working from home. These things are still being figured out today as we're recording this. And this has really been a big wake up call for a lot of people who are reimagining their lives now going, maybe I don't need to give it all to the office anymore. And Mm -hmm. so this quiet quitting trend really goes hand in hand with this desire to have a soft life. Mm -hmm. And this is such an 
I think, obvious pushback against what was growing and about to burst, which was that like boss babe hustle culture that was Mm. really dominating social media and getting stronger and stronger as we were moving towards what would become the pandemic. And so this slow living, we will talk about slow living versus soft life, but this response to the boss babe culture is actually, it has a a new name, which stopped me in my tracks. It was so funny. It's called snail girl. (laughs) <laughs> I'm here for that. Right, yeah. right. Which is the least attractive sounding if you're just thinking about a trail of slime, I guess. Yeah. But the snail girl movement, I first mm. saw it in the New York Post, but it was yeah. actually coined by an Australian fashion designer named Sien. And she first uses this term as um when she was being interviewed and she was being like, asked about her new era and she was like you know what I'm choosing and I guess eras are a big thing too yes um, with Swifties right (laughs) so like what era you're in Mm -hmm. um so her new era she's she's slowing down at work she's going to retreat when she needs it she's going to go on her own path and choose happiness over busyness um I think that this hustle culture boss babe thing women are finding that just taking a day off to relax or even going on a holiday just isn't enough they really Mm. want a total lifestyle change and i think that women have been told since the 1960s that they can have it all but i think it's clear to see that women have exhausted themselves trying to make this feminist dream this ideal come true they're crashing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's so true it was like the promise that was sold yes with the feminist movement came with caveats that maybe were not expected right right and that you have to hustle to keep pace with that kind of thing and when I really think that when you have to hustle when we have to move that fast that is kind of where we don't have the time to be vulnerable Mm. and open and so it is a little bit of that like hardening um when you think about it and so to see it kind of going in the opposite direction right now where a lot of people are re-examining things um a lot as you said because of the pandemic and the situation that that created with work and being at home and people reevaluating the work-life balance i think it's very interesting that that is speaking to a whole new uh generation of women and to really kind of try to find what the new balance is going to be emerging at the other end of that time or that era, as it were. <laughs> yes. And I think that as you're saying this, it's, it's also reminding me that not only did they physically have to hustle the women who are entering the workforce en masse mm. in the 1970s, the, the hustle also became how they sold themselves. They, women had to man up to, to deal with men in a corporate world like they had mm. never had to before. This is even reflected in the way women had to dress at work. They started wearing those. But that's when the shoulder pads came in. They wanted oh. a business suit. They wanted to physically look like they could square off against their male counterparts at work so that they could compete, right? Mm -hmm. They had to shatter that glass ceiling that they were told about. This resulted in the hardening of a woman to more of a masculine type of um, way of conducting themselves in business. And while Mm -hmm. there there are undeniable benefits about women toughening up in some of those ways, and Mm I am am a fan of that, um, there are other ways that you become too hardened and we lose some of the the softness that is what women bring in such a beautiful way to everyone everything. Yeah. And so, right. So there's like the hustle in terms of life got a heck of a lot busier and the women who were so keen on succeeding at work also wanted to make sure that they weren't dropping the ball at home because everyone said to them at that time, well, how are you not going to drop the ball at home? Well, these women were like, I'll show you. And they did. They absolutely tried to burn the candle at both ends. And, and it's just, we've had a couple generations now where we've seen that this fallout of this, of this exhaustion, and we're not to say that this is true for all women, but what is so interesting is a lot of these movements are being spearheaded by the youngest women, by the first women entering into the workforce right now who have this gift of perspective and looking back and going, wow, I'm really thankful for the women who paved the way like this. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm so glad I have the choice if I want to work or if I want to stay home, but I certainly don't want to be burned out and crashing and exhausted. And so this, this younger generation, I think is so telling that they're the ones going, stop. (laughs) We want to do things differently now. (laughs) Well, yes. And that I think is what 
is so fascinating about this whole thing because these younger women are trying to find a balance of both, right? The women who are considering and embracing these sorts of trends, like the soft living trends, these, these women are not pushovers. They're not lazy. They're industrious. They're curious. They're interesting women. They're capable and intelligent. And it's so amazing to see they're like, okay, um, it doesn't have to be so extreme in either direction. I do feel like I have something to bring to the table here, but I also feel like I can just be me and who and how I was created to be. So we're in the process now culturally spearheaded by these women and these movements of saying, how does that look like in, in the feminine side? Yeah. You know, so I think it's I think it's all a very positive thing. It just kind of takes a little while to get there sometimes. It's a winding path. Absolutely. And then there's one last financial aspect that I think we should make clear. All Mm. of the women who are talking about soft life or slowing down um, or the snail girl life, they Mm -hmm. all understand that it requires a certain level of financial privilege. I think this needs to be said. They know that if they're able to make those decisions to slow down at work, to turn down overtime or extra paid work, uh, or to do something as drastic as quitting your job, right? Or changing your job. They fully know that this takes a certain level of financial privilege um, and that that's not available for everyone. But here's the thing. What we discovered is the ultimate focus of the soft life isn't so much about controlling the outside world um, Mm -hmm. and the things that we can touch or buy, but it's about healing our internal state. There's a great article by Trisha Srigiri Rayu, and she wrote this for medium.com and it's called slow life, soft life. What does it mean? And how can we start living it? And in it, she writes to live softly means to have confronted the parts within us that cling so desperately to hardness, to fear, to apathy and cynicism. It means facing the unhealed wounds inside of us and acknowledging the areas we are projecting onto others, the areas in which we begin to close our hearts and harden ourselves to the world and its people. It means acknowledging where and how we decided to stop being open hearted and caring and choose that path of cynicism instead, end quote. Mm. Now Mm. that kind of softening, this is something we can all do regardless of our state in life. Yes. Yeah. I think sometimes for me, and maybe this is just the most basic thing ever, Mm. (laughs) but sometimes you're right. Your brain automatically goes to the material, Mm -hmm. right? I'm like, what is literally soft? And then that is soft living. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Couches. (laughs) Because that's the the aesthetic Yeah, like part of it, right? Like there's the aesthetic (laughs) of soft life. That's right. And that is materialistic, which means you have to probably buy stuff to (laughs) participate in the movement. But yes, what we're seeing is that it's not actually that kind of soft. And that also, too, it sounds so um, like it really sounds like a call to be authentic, Mm -hmm. right? The authentic living you know, to do all those things that Trisha listed in that Mm -hmm. article and in that post, you'd really have to be honest about whether or not we're being authentic um, and not even to other people around us, but even just to ourselves inside, right? That's what we're talking about, the interior. Mm -hmm. And then I also found like just the definition of authentic, of being authentic. There was a great definition from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. And they're saying that for something to be authentic, it's to say that it is what it professes to be. Mm -hmm. Right? So digging deeply into ourselves and being willing to be honest about our values, about our goals, seems like a really important factor in the self-living movement. Yes. And this authenticity is being screwed up by influencers. <laughs> so that's another oh, yeah. part of, right? So yeah. they are trying to sell the aesthetic, but this, the whole thing about it being authentic within yourself and that message is being lost by influencers. There is a YouTube video called Influencers Ruined Soft Life, and now it's mm. just another grift. And it was created by a YouTuber called Nappy Headed Jojoba. And she explains that it is 
now just another aesthetic that it's all about rich girl life and luxury goods and travel destinations. Mm. And we know that that's not what it was about at all. She reminds her viewers that it was originally just about attaining peace, relationship peace, peace within ourselves, peace of mind. Now, this is what really blew my mind, Michelle. She also points out that there's a difference between influencers and content creators. And I've never actually thought Mm. about this. So she said, influencers are going to try to get you to spend money. Content creators share with you ideas and they educate you. So for an Mm. influencer, the product that they are selling that day is their content. But for content creators, their content is their product. So she goes on to talk about the Nigerian origins and how Nigeria is also experiencing its own cost of living crisis. So the whole soft life movement couldn't possibly be rooted in spending more money to live this life of leisure. Mm. So again, it's this idea that influencers are trying to sell you on the aesthetic of soft life. But what you can really look for are content creators who are explaining to you what it really is. Mm, that is such a helpful differentiation mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're trying to navigate online. And I love that the key word to look out for here is when someone's trying to speak about peace. Yes. Right. And I know even from our faith perspective, right? Like peace is the thing that we're um, really meant to seek and to strive for and peace in all those areas that she mentioned too, peace with ourselves, peace in our relationships. I love that that there's that connection with soft living. Like that seems the soft demeanor that you're looking for. If you picture someone who is peaceful, there's someone that you can almost sink into. Yes. Right. And that's, that is the softness. That's what this whole thing is about. And just while we're at it, another thing that it is not, and this is what you're going to see a lot on social media about, because this is another growing trend, and it's the stay-at-home girlfriend trend. And Mm. it is not the stay-at-home mom whose purpose is to raise her children, right, and to run a Mm. household. There is this new trend, like the sugar daddy trend, to be a stay-at-home girlfriend. And they're really linking this with soft life, with the idea that her whole purpose is that she has time all day because she doesn't have to work to become more feminine and soft through beauty treatments, time doing yoga, decorating the house all pretty. Um, This is a lot what a lot of people think soft life is right now. And it is absolutely not what it is. No. Okay. Yeah. I see where we kind of got off the track there. (laughs) (laughs) Having talked about the definition of it and various interpretations. And that's kind of what I was thinking too just in terms of reflecting on what soft living is not right and the thing I kept coming back to and all these definitions and reiterations of it that we see online I'm like that it's at its core it really is not laziness right it's not right it's not um and yeah when we think about those soft things that I mentioned like the beds and the pillows and the (laughs) the fuzzy things um it, it sounds good, but the soft life movement, it sounds like it requires a lot of hard work up yeah. front, right? Doing that deeper inner work, um, going through the process of, you know, reevaluating what you're going to be prioritizing and then cutting out the things and the obligations that don't serve those values, setting up boundaries, establishing yourself and um, how you want to be present uh, in order to have peace, right? That's, that's not always going to be simple or easy. So much like anything else, like uh, enjoying a clean house, right at the end of the day is going to take some elbow grease um, or being healthy is going to require you to exercise and plan nutritious meals to do soft living. I guess that's another thing to look into and look out for as we're learning more about it online is whether or not the that inner work is mentioned or whether or not it is kind of a strictly an aesthetic that's being presented. Yes. And I think that 
as we know, it's a blend of the internal and the external, right? The internal mm. can, or the interior life as we call it, can inform the exterior and vice versa. But I think that you can have all those cozy, soft things all around you as much as you want. But if you haven't done that deep work inside, mm, yes. uh, there's only so much the externals can do. Um, but what I think is so clear is the hungering for the externals that people like and the internals, but people want this more than ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's just my algorithm, but yeah. <laughs> my feed, all it is are those beautiful classic illustrations of like anthropomorphized animals, um, <laughs> right? In their aprons and they're living by candlelight in their cozy dens. Yes. And it's no surprise that that people, I guess, especially women, right? I don't think many men are like liking and sharing those images of animals living underground. Um, but they're longing for this life. We want little cozy dens instead of skyscrapers right now. Cozy nightgowns instead of like tight business suits. Baking instead of boardrooms. Think about the Hallmark movie channel, right? Think yes. about every Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, we can say that's not what women want as much as we want, but uh, the numbers beg to differ of how many women are interested <laughs> in the stressed out big city girl who ends up falling in love with both the handsome stranger and the cozy small town that she visits. Mm. Clearly, there is a huge cultural longing for uh, a softer life. In, yes. Like in the internals and the externals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I just, uh, one thing about the anthropomorphic animals, mm -hmm. I never knew hedgehogs read that much. <laughs> They're big book readers. Yeah. <laughs> They're big bookworms, <laughs> those hedgehogs. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's such a great point. And that goes back to the authenticity yeah. thing, right? Are we being honest right. with ourselves about what we really want? And you're right. And I think, um, if anything, my algorithm matches yours because I see <laughs> so much of it too. Or that so much of the videos, um, you know, those like uh, a day in the life videos, mm -hmm. they're all like either morning or yeah. like my five to nine after my nine to five yeah type of thing right i hardly see anything of the that hustle culture we talked about um anymore so even if the conversation officially maybe hasn't quite caught up yet uh you're right the desire is clear uh it, through the actions and through the content that's being produced that this is really prevalent in a lot of our minds yeah, even when you think about all those ambiance videos, right, that we play all the time, I have yet yeah, to come across yes. like busy office ambiance, <laughs> right? Stressful ASMR. board meeting presentation <laughs> ASMR. Yeah. Like, so it Very does true. seem like everyone is longing mm. for this. So, okay, so we have talked about two communities the Black community and the working world. And we're not a part of those communities, Michelle. Right. Yeah. So how about the soft life for us stay-at-home moms, for the homemakers and homeschoolers out there? So mm -hmm. stay tuned until after the break to hear how we can create our own version of a soft life. Welcome back. So how can we create our own soft life? You mean besides carving little dens under the earth while the ground is blanketed in snow mm. and we become fluffy little mole mamas <laughs> who tuck their <laughs> tiny mole babies into bed by candlelight, only then to sit by the fire and put our little mole feet up, to, up after a long day? <laughs> I clearly want to like, just crawl this. right into those yeah. um, illustrations, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. It hit me when I was like... Like writing that that those cute animals are doing human things that they're actually like mimicking mm. our lives um so those artists are just do, taking like the most basic human tasks often performed by women and moms and they do make it look so romantic and you and i are big fans of the romantic life mm. <laughs> yes very much so so an article from the bbc said this Soft life asks us to don our most comfortable outfit and consider what day-to-day -day life of ease would look like for ourselves. Then it challenges us to put this into practice. Okay, so just again, this isn't really about spa days and expensive products and like a gossamer dress. Nope, it's about creating peace and a life that, in which we feel comfortable where we can take off the armor 
right? The hardness Mm, that we've kind of clad ourselves in because we are at battle in this crazy world. It's about taking down the walls around our hearts. It's about opening up what has been sealed shut and softening towards the things that we may have grown hardened to. And -hmm. it's about going with the flow instead of trying so hard to swim against the current, right? To swim upstream until the point of exhaustion. So this is where it goes beyond aesthetics and visual appeal. And it's about prioritizing yourself, which is not a bad thing. Setting Mm -hmm. boundaries and relationships definitely can be a good thing. And Mm -hmm. reevaluating career goals and plans. Um, And we think the first step in this is about figuring out what gives you peace in your day-to-day life. Yeah, that's such a great first step, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) To consider what Mm -hmm. that might be. And actually, one of the things I do like about soft living lingo, we'll say, versus like hustle culture lingo I do feel like a lot of it even if it's trying to be inspirational it's all like like these imperative sentences giving Mm -hmm. orders right follow your dreams shoot for the stars (laughs) but in soft living it's all questions and prompts like what brings you peace day to day what brings you joy how can we work that in to the day to day like even the language sounds softer too yeah um but i think it's so important to ask these questions because soft living is is so subjective right um yeah. if it's really about carving out for ourselves a life that's unique to us then we do have to ask ourselves what is it that we specifically are looking for it's not going to be like a metric or a plan that you can exactly follow. And there was a great suggestion from um, an internal medicine doctor uh, named Dr. April Carter, who suggests in an article on the website, IamBrownStyle.com, where Mm -hmm. she says to create a vision board for your soft living endeavors, like to start help defining what soft life looks for you, which I think is a great idea and just totally goes along with that thought process of asking yourself, what is it that does give you peace just in your everyday day-to-day life? Yes. And I think this is great because although we keep talking about the interior life versus exterior life, we do know that when we work hard to surround ourselves with those things that help contribute back right to Mm. our interior life. Those externals do make a difference. And those vision boards, let me just tell you as someone who just made one and laughed about having to do it. Cause I'm like, I've never done anything like this in my life, but I was advised to make one from somebody um, that I really trust. And she's like, Nope, trust the process. Just do it. Well, let me say, as I was putting together a vision board, I realized that, yeah, it's what it does is it actually just takes the things out of your head and puts them in front of you. And apparently Mm. studies have shown that we are much more motivated by visual stimuli in front of us than we are like a written list of like things that we want to work towards. And so this idea of either doing it on Pinterest, right, which is what Pinterest is. Mm, or physically cutting out soft living um, images from like a magazine or something. Um, Both of them have a far greater impact, it turns out, on your brain than you would think it does or than I would think it does until I actually did it. So there are, and it doesn't have to just be like pictures, like we're saying, of fuzzy pillows and blankets. Um, It can be like the desired lifestyle that you want to have. That's, you know, there are images of that, that you could cut out on your vision board that you can work towards, but yeah, having just done it and thought it was a silly idea. Mm-hmm. Nope. It turns out I was wrong. It's actually, there's, there's a reason why a lot of successful people recommend doing right. that. <laughs> there's a method to the madness. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I just, I love that idea that, um, yeah, we can curate soft life for ourselves. Yeah. And this question of what gives you peace, that is a very personal question. It's Mm -hmm. going to be different for you than it is for me. And um, I do firmly believe having been home with all four kids for 15 years without a single day off or a break or them going anywhere, that you can actually cultivate peace in the middle of that chaos. It is doable. Um, Mm -hmm. It might not be peace what you think it is, like what that means, but there are definitely ways to do it in even the busiest life. So that really reflecting, taking a couple days and being like, okay, what does give me peace what does bring me peace is a great first step and then a second step is 
then being softer with ourselves. We have to start with ourselves first. And this isn't like the, it is a bit of the be gentle on yourself, but this is deeper. This is psychological. This is reminding ourselves that we aren't measured by what we accomplish. It's reminding ourselves that our productivity doesn't always equal success. Mm -hmm. Um, That self-care is a good thing. But even more than that, it's finally being ready to heal to move mm-hmm. on from our past. And it's about not living in anxiety in the future. It's about being really present in the moment. Being a soft person, soft with ourselves means, yeah, being really, really available in that moment. Um, it's, yeah, it's that desire to heal. I kept seeing the word heal uh, in terms of soft life. And I just, oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a big aspect to it that, reminds me I did come across an article from uh, the Vatican of all places mm-hmm. <laughs> where it was sharing a homily from uh, 2015 um, that Pope Francis gave at one of the masses about what hardens our hearts mm-hmm. and that was one of the things one of the three things that uh, he talked about was that a heart can become hardened from painful or harsh experiences mm-hmm. um, who don't want to be hurt again right I think that to have to mention that yeah. um, just means that it's probably such a communal, such a widespread thing that people are going to have to encounter as they look deeper into themselves is that there are places just that we all could use the softness of a healing touch, yeah. right? And uh, from a faith perspective, though, like going into that a little bit deeper, I do find it like takes an element of trust yeah. to be able to soften yourself enough to do that. So for, again, for us, from a faith perspective, um, the trust in God, mm-hmm. um, and even just having trust that you're, if you do that, if you open yourself up to explore those wounds that need healing in an effort to be softened, that, like you said, to trust the process of it. Yeah. And you know what, hearing that reminds me that maybe you're not ready to be soft with anyone else in your life. Maybe you're not ready to Hmm. open up, take, remove those scales from your heart to soften your heart, but you can start with God. God is not going to wound you. He's not, right? He's only there to love and heal. And so maybe that is your first place is just opening up your heart to God after years of having hardened it towards him. I'm speaking from personal experience, right? I didn't open Mm -hmm. my heart to God until I was in my early thirties. So I had a very hard heart. Um, Truly. I I actually wore that hard heart as a badge of honor. I loved how tough I was, how Mm -hmm. you couldn't wound me. I really was proud of those aspects of myself. So having to strip that armor off my own heart, uh, I wasn't ready to do that with the people in my life yet. So I had to start Mm. with God. And so here, this takes us right into the next thing that we think that we can all do, which is when you've been softer with yourself, then you can start being soft in your relationships, right? Yes. Healing, healed people, heal people. We talk about it all the time. (laughs) And so um, this, this is one I'm still working on because I'm not naturally a soft person. I'm just not, I'm a hard Mm. person. So being soft doesn't even just mean being charitable and loving and like being willing to receive love. To me, it also means I need to work on my tone and my body language. (laughs) Mm. I am not soft in those things. Um, So yeah, this being softer in all of our relationships, I think is a a great next step. Yes. Yeah. And that makes me think back to that analogy of soft living being like that overflowing cup that we talked about at the beginning of the episode that spills over to make other people's lives better. Yeah. I just think, and this maybe is where my thoughts become literal again with softness, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's almost like thinking of ourselves once we get to that point of becoming a a crash pad of sorts (laughs) for our families and for those around us uh, that when they are experiencing the harshness and the hardness of the world, that once we have done the interior work to soften ourselves, that we can be someone they sink into, whether that's emotionally, mentally, or otherwise. So you and I were talking and laughing about how like the kind of like the opposite to soft time of the year, the most loud, Mm -hmm. garish, trying, excitable, joy-filled time of the year is coming up. It's Christmas. Yeah. Like 
kind of like the <laughs> hardest time to try soft living is when the world is at its most joyful, chaotic loudness. Frenzied. Um, so, <laughs> frenzied. And we've done an episode. What was that episode we did leading up to Christmas a couple years ago? The like frenzied, the frazzled. Three and... Fs or something. <laughs> three Fs. Yeah. Frenzied, frazzled, frantic. The frantic. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so funny that, you know, just a couple of years ago, we were like, this is what we're feeling. And this year we're like, now try to be softer. Right. Um, but we, we acknowledge that it's almost naturally easier to work on that growing in that um, during Advent, right? Yes. Especially if you've done like yes. a pre-Advent clean and you've done all, which I haven't and you haven't done all of that work. We're saying that right. honestly. But it, yeah. let's say in a perfect world for the four weeks leading up to Advent, you've done all your hard work. You've done your Christmas shopping. Your house is clean. Well, Advent is a, is a perfect time to calling us towards softness and then in the post Christmas period in the mm. deep dark winter um, as you're doing huga in your external life that softening of your heart is perfect for those winter months right mm -hmm. um, and so we're like but there are some things you can do to practice being softer during the chaos of Christmas you can set boundaries you can listen to what gives your family peace during that time and, and mm. as a family talk about it. And this one, we've talked about this before, but it's a great reminder that you don't have to do this year all of the old traditions you've always done. If they are right. not giving you peace or giving your family peace and have a continual conversation about this, you don't have to beat yourself up for going, I can't do it all. I can't, I can't do all of the things that I'm supposed to do this Christmas. That's how you can soften during Christmas. And the finally, you don't have to feel bad if you're indulging in the treats and an extra little drink. I like to have like a creamy liqueur during mm. Christmas. It's the only time of the year I have them. Um, you can be soft about enjoying those things, right? And just embracing mm -hmm. Christmas and all of its tacky and cheesy wonderfulness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And because even if you, if we stop to consider the reason for the season yep. right and just what christmas is all about which is that jesus our our god made man is born and he's born as a baby yes right if there's anything that i think personifies literally um yeah. like the softness that is indicative of the soft life movement and goals mm -hmm. it would be the god of the universe coming to us as a, a baby, as yeah. an infant, right? And modeling for us this openness, this vulnerability, this trust and acceptance for the rest of us to follow. Christmas is actually the perfect time to consider it. We, I think when we talk about like, we should try this trend, we like, we expect it to be an immediate 180 yeah. and upheaval of our whole lives. But maybe part of soft living is just to lean into things slowly as it comes. And I was even thinking about this time of year that even if there aren't a whole lot of practical changes we can make um, mm -hmm. to start embracing soft living, that it's a great field research season, mm. right? To observe ourselves and to see how and where soft living might benefit us, how we can bring that about. And then that idea that you just mentioned, Lindsay, about asking your family what brings all of you peace. Yeah. Uh, that's something I also saw a couple of times yes, just yesterday on Instagram too, this concept of, have you asked the people in your life what it is exactly this time of year that brings them joy mm, and yeah. that they anticipate? Because there's no point in trying to burn yourself out Yeah. Um, if no one particularly cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and so all of that, it's still that internal work. It's the asking questions. It's about being honest and authentic. And that's going to pave a, a, a way and a space, create a space for you to soften. And the world needs a little bit more softness right now. So one of the, I guess, character traits, perhaps personality things that 
pops up all the time within the Catholic church is this, this concept of meekness or what you and I were talking about as soft strength. This is a time where we can practice this. And, Mm. and you just had me thinking too, like, yeah, we're coming through Christmas and we can have family meetings about this, but this is also a great time to figure out what your word of the year is for 2024 and what you want to your resolutions to be. Right. So keep all of that in mind as well as, as you're listening to this episode, but meekness, I think it's gotten a bad rap from the culture mm. to be meek, right? Is often being confused as being weak. But Michelle, you just found a great definition of meekness as a virtue. Yeah. Yeah. That meekness, you're right, has this impression that we all have of it in culture, right? Of being a little bit um, weak, mm-hmm. right? But there's... Um, just one line in this article on the virtue of meekness from the Catholic Education Resource Center that talks about how the irony is that, quote, meekness, indeed a virtue, is the one virtue above all that allows us to remain ourselves in the mm. midst of adversity, mm. <laughs> end quote. And I was like, oh, that is exactly what goes along with the soft living movement and what we're trying to say. We're trying to do this work. And we talked about how um, that could be challenging. And so you're going to need to be strong and you're going to need to be honest and humble about what you find in that deep work, but that it's going to be what keeps us grounded in truth and in the present moment to be able to withstand no matter what the externals are, right? So I love the idea that soft living can be this tie-in to the virtue of meekness where in our strength, we seek to become soft in order to remain authentic and to find peace with who we are in the midst of whatever else is happening. And we are going to turn our minds back and our hearts back to Pope Francis um, again, because he had some really great things to say about meekness. Uh, He says, those who are meek are patient, gentle, and merciful, drawing people together and salvaging relationships. Meekness entails tenaciously holding on to one's trust in and relationship with God and protectively guarding his gifts of peace, mercy, and fraternity. And um, this is actually so beautiful. Actually, I'm going to give a bit more time here to what Pope Francis says about the third beatitude, which is blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the land. Mm. Pope Francis says, people who are meek are people who are merciful, fraternal, trusting and hopeful to talk about meekness it is important to talk about the sin of wrath a moment of anger can destroy so many things you lose control and you don't evaluate what is really important and you can ruin a relationship with someone sometimes irreparably pope francis continues how many family members no longer speak with each other or are cold with each other because of anger which always divides while meekness gathers together. Meekness conquers many things. Meekness is able to win over hearts, salvage friendships, and much more. It's natural to get angry, but then people should calm down, rethink it, and get back on track, and this is how you can rebuild with meekness. There is no earth more beautiful than the heart of another person, no land more wonderful to win over than that peace. So he's referring back there to the um, blessed are the meek where they will, because they will inherit the land. He's mm. talking about the land being the hearts of other people, right? And and mm. winning that over. And so I don't know if meek life has the same <laughs> uh, potential to trend as soft life. Yes. So as we've been saying, the soft life, soft living is anything but lazy, right? Or mm-hmm. or weak, just like meekness. It's anything but weakness. And so we just see here how those two things can work so beautifully together. Yes. Yeah. And I love the point that he makes about meekness gathering together. Yes. People, right? And that's what we were talking about um, for the movement in general, how it brings peace in all those situations, but also this time of year, like Mm -hmm. moving into Advent and then the Christmas season where you gather together a lot and how this softness, um, especially when thought of in the context of meekness, uh, can really benefit and make our holiday season and this beautiful sacred time um, 
really and truly a wonderful time altogether. Yes. And and how great would this be, right, for our families mm-hmm. and friends if we all just softened a little bit? Now, it happens with age. I'm definitely softer in my body and in my mind. <laughs> but I'm a, definitely a softer person now than I was in my 20s and 30s. Um, but this world is, is hardening young people. And I, it's a sad thing. But I think a soft woman softens life around her and a soft life is a wellspring of goodness and it's a balm for everyone who encounters a soft woman and I know I'm done being a hard woman living a hard life Um, and again this isn't based on the externals or finances or circumstances it is working on our interior life to soften things from the inside out So it turns out everything we thought we knew about soft living is actually wrong. And honestly, thank God for that, because the true meaning of soft living, which originated in the desire of Black women to create a more peaceful life, is far more beneficial for all of us than just hashtag soft life and hashtag spa day and hashtag cozy vibes. There is nothing radical about going on a nice little weekend getaway but it is totally a rebellious act to choose peace over chaos and to remove the hardness from your heart. There is nothing about the easy life in the soft life, and there is nothing weak in being soft. The world could use a heck of a lot more soft if you ask us. And so this is where you'll find us, polishing away the rough edges in our lives, being careful with your hearts and with our own, and choosing soft in a hard world. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Well, I've had a movie in my must-watch pile, which is just a digital pile on Amazon, right, (laughs) Uh, for a long time now. And I mentioned it to my dad, and he was all, oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite movies. And I was all, okay, time to watch it. And I wrote that in all caps in case my voice isn't registering the all caps. Um, So time to watch it. And so I finally sat down and watched the 1990 classic, The Hunt for Red October, starring Alec Baldwin and right fresh off my James Bond kick, Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it, Michelle? Yes. I remember watching it a few years ago, Mm. but um, I don't remember too much about the like the details of the plot okay Okay. well jason also he watched it when he was a teenager when it came out and he was Mm -hmm. like oh that movie is stupid and then he started watching it (laughs) do you know that reel of dads watching movies where they're standing across the room yes and then they stand closer to the tv as they're like slowly eating popcorn and they don't want to commit to sitting down that happened for like the first half hour of this movie Mm. and then so before i knew it jason was fully on the couch going this is a great movie i didn't understand all of this when i was a teenager okay so for people who um, aren't familiar with it, it's the first of the Jack Ryan movie adaptations. Jack Ryan is a fictional CIA analyst, and it's written, um, the character comes from the Tom Clancy novels. So he's later play- played by Harrison Ford, who is my all-time mm-hmm. favorite. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's currently played by John Krasinski, right, in his new show on Amazon, which I have not watched and don't know anything about. So mm-hmm. can't, can't vouch. Um, anywho, it's a great Cold War <laughs> movie that's set in 1984 with Connery being being the captain of a new type of Russian submarine that can go totally silent and slide up unnoticed off the coast of the USA. Well, Jack Ryan has a crazy idea that Connery might actually be trying to defect to the USA versus trying to attack the US. Mm. Um, And it's a good thing if the US can get a hold of that sub, right? If they can bring that sub with them so they can get that technology. So it's a classic game of cat and mouse and it's a thriller like only the 1990s can produce. Um, We muted the language a few times. I think there was about less than 10 times of blasphemy. I wish it was zero, but it's far less than many other movies. And so I would say it's suitable for teens and would make for a great um, like adult movie night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember really liking um, just the whole storyline and the the wartime era, the Cold mm-hmm. War era movie um, plot line. And yeah, I mean, you can you really beat Sean Connery in any movie? No, no, I don't think you can. So <laughs> a win on all fronts. Yes. <laughs> and so Michelle, what have you been loving this week? Okay, so November is typically mine and our family's busiest month of the whole year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with like 
we have family birthdays on top of like the, just the usual school extracurriculars and stuff. So needless to say, my leisurely consumption has taken a hit over the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was thinking about, you know, is there anything that I do anticipate or I look forward to getting back to? And I did think of an Instagram account that if I log in and see that red ring around her avatar in the stories section, I get Mm -hmm. immediately excited because I just, I love her content so much. And that account is Stems and Forks run Mm -hmm. by Betty Shin Binan. So she is a video content creator. She has a history in floral arrangements. Um, She's also a fantastic chef and she's an amazing videographer and producer of video content. And the first thing that I love about her account is the aesthetic of it. Like everything about her videos sensory wise is my ideal aesthetic. It's dark, moody, high contrast, vivid color, a lot of drama, like so much dramatic flair. And if you've ever checked out or enjoyed the Friday Finishing School episodes (laughs) and you hear the intro (laughs) that we put on the the front of every one of those episodes, I think you'll know that I I really resonate with Betty's use of epic music (laughs) to really help set a scene. I love the more epic, the better. But beside the aesthetic of it all, which I could binge an entire YouTube channel if she was ever inclined to start one. Uh, I do love her messaging too. And her storytelling is very good. Like there are videos where she speaks in monologue style about her own thoughts and reflections on life. Um, There are videos where the storytelling is purely visual. Like one of my favorites is where she builds an entire elaborate gingerbread castle Mm -hmm. and then smashes it all to pieces. Mm -hmm. And just imagine it with like slow motion and intense baroque music it's just it's so interesting and then there's just her willingness to show both sides of herself and her process uh these highly produced gorgeous final product videos and then she also sprinkles in like blooper reels and um spontaneous recipes that were made from failed attempts at the things she was trying to cook to show on her page so you know, it's um, it's honestly one of my dreams and goals to attend one of her photography and videography workshops. Uh, and because she's a fellow Canadian girl based <gasps> pretty nearby us in Toronto, I have high hopes that one day maybe I can meet her mm. in person and just tell her how much I appreciate her work. So check out Stems and Forks on Instagram and just enjoy the free fall into the creative world of Betty Shin Pinon. So I looked her up while you were talking because I'm like, this sounds amazing and found out I'm already following her but because of the darn (laughs) algorithm on Instagram, you don't see what you follow. You only see what you interact with. So if I haven't liked a post of hers from forever ago, right? I didn't even know she's in my feed. And so I yes. now I'm going to go through and like a bunch of posts so that she can yeah. be front and forward <laughs> in my feed because yeah, it is a beautiful account. Oh, so gorgeous. And then we'll take a road trip. Yay! To Toronto. So Yay. we're coming. We're coming we're for you, coming. Betty. We're coming. Not scared. <laughs> That's not a threat. No. <laughs> in the best way. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time.